Thank you so much for coming tonight. The message, uh, An Awakening. I read someone who made this statement. How is it that you can murder a baby and abort a baby full term? And yet, when they are born and you spank them, you go to jail. Certainly not interested in child abuse. None of us are. But it gives you an idea, and I say this respectfully, how warped our culture is. We have a standard that comes from the Word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 that we war against principalities and we rule against leaders and rulers in high places which seem to sit in the seat of authority and try to push an ungodly way for often political purposes on our culture today. And you got to ask, then what is our response? I believe as you look at culture today and you look at the society, and you look at the church, you think, wow, we got some major challenges going on as it relates to apathy or as it relates to commitment, consistent commitment, as it relates to honoring, honoring God in a way that creates a higher standard than the rest of society. But what that also does, it sets us up for the privilege of God giving us a great move of His Holy Spirit and revival. I believe that revival in the day of repentance will come again. Amen. I'm ready for the rapture of the church, but until then, I'm going to keep moving on. Amen. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep elevating. I'm going to keep inspiring to tell everybody that I know that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is not weak, and he is at the right hand of the Heavenly Father, and the Heavenly Father has everything under control. How do you feel about that? Well, but we have many in the church. Many in the church. I can talk about the church because I'm in one. I'm in Victory Church, but there is the church. There are many in the church today that seemingly they've given up. They've given up on believing that God's Holy Spirit will move again in an unprecedented measure and fashion. And the reason they do, they see the power of sin everywhere you look. I talked to a major psychologist and a teacher of psychology the other day, and he said there is a program on television called Modern, Modern Family, Modern Something. I didn't pay any attention to it until he mentioned it, and he said, listen to me, Pastor Blackburn, there is not a more disgusting, bad news, sinful program that's on television today that gives a warped view of what should be expected and enjoyed in family life. It's called the modern family. Well, I want you to know, my friend, that God has words to say about family, period. 
But often in the church, we look and say, look at the power of sin. We say, well, there's evidence of a moral shift away from God. We look and say there's wickedness unparalleled by any other age. And we often forget that we still have the good book. It's called the Bible. It's called the word of inspiration. It does not lie. And when we get weary and well-doing, we can take this power-packed book out and know that it'll roll the dark clouds away and it'll wipe away the tear from the eye and it'll bring peace to a heart because it is the word of God and it is still alive and well and has a lot to say about what God is up to in the culture in which we live today. I'm encouraged by this book that says in Romans 5 verse 20, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. In other words, he said, you take a good look, don't give too much airtime to the power of the enemy and sin because outdistancing sin is the grace of almighty God that still gives life to mankind. And my prayer is that God through the Holy Spirit in an unprecedented way will once again come down and meet the need of every church in our land today. We have a parallel in Ezekiel and his writings and the prophecy in which God uses him to give. God gives him a wonderful experience. It's found in Ezekiel 36, 33. And he said that, that about society, as he's talking through Ezekiel, he said, you take a look at God's people, you take a look at God's land, and he said, the day is going to come, and I'm going to scrub you clean of filthy living. I'm going to make the cities livable again. They were in ruins. They were neglected. But once again, they're going to be overcome by a power much greater than anything known to man. He said the weeds that are there are going to be parched and the land is going to look like the Garden of Eden. And he said the ruined cities will be smashed into oblivion and now you will see they are thriving. Now we know that he's speaking about the time that we enjoy the millennial reign, the time in which there is a new heaven and a new earth. But I can tell you there is a parallel that runs with us today. You see, God's people had drifted away from, in this day, the law of God. Let me just, I want to encourage you, just let God speak to your heart and say, whisper a prayer, God, I want your conviction to overrun me tonight. I want your conviction to overrun me tonight. I heard someone say the other day, when does the church take it or take its orders from the culture? I'm here to tell you the church ought to be dictating to the culture. That may be what you believe. That may be what you decide. But there is a book here that is dictated by the Son of the living God. Pay attention to it and don't let culture push you around. Well... I guess all we can do, I guess all we can do is pray. Hello. Prayer works. We drifted away from the law of God. We've drifted away from the peace of God as a world, as a culture. We've drifted away from the purpose of God and from the presence of God. In far too many churches today that are supposed to be bright and shining lights, have drifted into the dark shadows 
Because to be a bright and shining light, it takes absolute commitment, absolute purpose, absolute sacrifice to be the shining light in a culture that is so dark. And we understand that. Ezekiel 2, verse number 3, he also says, Son of man, I'm sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me, they and their fathers have been in revolt against me to this very day. Ezekiel, the people that I'm sending you to are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You see, there's no way you can miss the analogy here of Scripture regarding the spiritual condition of that day, unfortunately, to the spiritual condition of the culture in which we live. And based on that description, you don't see much difference between Ezekiel and modern day. But we know the positive is this, when you see sin seemingly abounding with no boundaries, it opens the door for God to manifest His power and become available to anyone who's willing to absolutely trust Him. The young man that I met at McDonald's this morning, he said, well, I'll be at church. I want you to know, he said to me, you saved my life. I, I, that, that scared me. I didn't, I didn't save anybody's life, but I understood what he meant. He said, before it's over, I'm going to get every, pop, every person in this McDonald's to come to church with me. Somebody say amen. I thought, buddy, light up that fire. And then you know what I thought? God made that fire spread on every person that's been in the church for 10, 15, or 20 years to once again have that fervent passion to say, everybody I know, I'm going to get them in church. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep believing God. I'm going to sacrifice to the Degree that lives are changed. God gave Ezekiel a vision, and he said, there is no life, Ezekiel 37, verse number 2. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were dry. And the Lord led Ezekiel in the spirit to the valley and shared that vision with him. You see these bones? Yeah, they're plentiful. They're massive. I want you to just over and over again take a good look. God encouraged him not to forget what he's seeing. The bones are very, very dry. When I think about this past year in 2018, the hundreds of thousands of babies that were aborted, it's time that we not forget and we whisper a prayer, not just once a year, to say, God, in Jesus' name, grip the conscience of those who is responsible for that by the power and the anointing of Jesus Christ. He said to Ezekiel, what does that mean? He said, it means they are dead in their sin. It means they are dead toward God. It means they are dead and have been dead for a long time. It means that they are lifeless and all hope is gone. And it appears there is nothing that can, can be done. Ezekiel, take a good look. It should create a righteous fear in us to know that we have family members. If the rapture were to take place now, they'd be eternally lost. It should scare those of us in the church to think about any one of our family 
not making heaven. It should scare the church, my friend, when we come to the conclusion that more and more young people are leading their families without boundaries than moms and dads being moms and dads and said, this is the boundary and you don't go beyond that boundary. Help me now. We understand the powers of darkness. Ezekiel was God's only representative to his people. Those dead dry bones meant the verdict of sin had been pronounced and judgment had fallen. And he said, do you believe these bones can live again? Do you believe certain family members can come to faith? Do you believe that God can heal disease? Do you believe that Sam and Teresa Bullard, Sam's fighting and fighting for his very life? Do you believe that God can reach down and heal that boy in a miraculous way? Do you believe that God can reach down and heal Myrna Brown? Do you believe God can reach down and heal your relative and give them a supernatural ingestion of the healing virtue of Jesus Christ? Do you believe it? Do you think about it? Do you pray about it? No, I'll tell you what we do in the church today. We pray now, lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I should die before I wake, then I pray the Lord my soul would take. But my friend, what we need to do is say fasting and prayer doesn't just take two weeks out of the year, we ought to set a time aside every single week and say, God, this day I'm fasting for the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You take your hand off my friend. You shake them until they feel the conviction power of Jesus Christ. Friend, if anybody's going to do it, it has to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that God can send that kind of revival? I believe it. Lord, he says, only you know. And God said, give me a break. Only you know. You see, we know that our land is full. We freely admit that moral principles have eroded. Things that we just would just take our breath away. Just a few short years ago, we say, well, I guess that's just the way it's going to be. We've lost our biblical moorings. Listen to me, friend. We don't get our direction. We do not get our direction and our inspiration from around the world turns for flippity-flop property. We don't get it from Hallmark. We get it out of this book, and yet every stat says that says the, every, every, the average Christian today reads less than five minutes of this book a week. And the enemy's sitting back. Can I hear four? How about just four minutes? And yet, you and I, we're the answer. Victory Church is 30 years of age. We've gone through a lot of challenges here. God's blessed us in a remarkable way. But one of the things that scares me is this. Is there are many, too many, who believe they've reached that stage that they can take a sabbatical. Well, hell is getting hotter, and more and more people are being tormented by the power of sins. And there is no place in the Bible. 
where we get to step away from the fray to take a sabbatical. God calls us to stay, get in the fire, stay in the fire until you hear the trumpet and you won't have to jump. You will be taken up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's what the Bible says. Come on, church. Well, pastor, that kind of preaching will run people away. Hello. But don't you appreciate the unadulterated truth of God's word to awaken us to say, God, help us. You say, how are you preaching so adamantly tonight? Because I went over and I had just a small piece of that strawberry shortcake. I thought, God, I can't talk about it if I have not personally tested it. And I did, and I'm happy to tell you there is a sugar rush going on now, moral principles lost our biblical moorings hear this try this on for size we have become satisfied with sin and compromise holiness we have allowed that which god called us to have a blessing to become a curse if we're not careful we will take the blessing and the comfort God has given us and we'll take, take it for granted and believe that God is calling us into a more comfortable life. Reaching everybody that we can. Cable television. Mongrel Ted Turner criticized fundamental Christianity several, several years ago in Orlando. He said, Christianity today makes me sick to my stomach. He said they twist about everything imaginable. He was at a banquet by the Humanist Association, and he's receiving an award for his support of environment and world peace. I want to give my life to environment and world peace. I think environment is important. Say amen. But here's what I know. If you know the book, there ain't going to be no world peace until the rapture takes place. And that peace will come, what's considered to be the first half of that seven years, three and a half. You're going to have a little more peace that looks then. But world peace, you can vote it in, talk about it all you want to. But there is a stirring in the heavenlies that is still taking place. Ted Turner said, I was raised in a strict Christian upbringing. He said, at one time, I was considered to be a missionary. And he said, I got saved seven or eight times. Seven or eight times I made my commitment. That's a quote in the newspaper. But he said, I became disenchanted with Christianity after I prayed and prayed and prayed that my sister might be healed. And my sister died as a result of her sickness. And at that time, I decided to stray away from my faith. And the farther away from the church and the farther away from faith that I got, the better I felt. I say, God, who among us can reach the Ted Turners of this world?
Who among us, in some way or another, can declare, buddy, you don't want to separate yourself from the faith that's in God. There are those who have declared the church to be dead and irrelevant today. And the obvious question is, do we believe that we, the church, can see God revive the dead, dry bones of man's disobedience? And my prayer is this. Lord, you did it once and do it again. No power, no life, no power. Ezekiel 37, 8, I looked and the tendons and flesh appeared on them and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. No breath whatsoever in them. Ezekiel prophesied and before his eyes he heard a strange noise and he watched the bones come together. The tendons and the flesh appeared. The skin covered the shell of the bones, but he said, hey, They're just a cadaver. There's no life in them. And that's unfortunately the sad commentary for far too many professing Christians today. It's woe is me. Oh, Lord, I'm down and out. And you use that person as a testimony to an unbelieving world, it's high time. I said, it's high time we got some passion back. It's high time we got some life back. It's high time we got a shot of the Holy Ghost in our lives. It's high time we had a revolution in our own man and say, God, clean me up, purify me. And Lord, I'm here to tell you, I am hitting on all cylinders. I am ready to do something courageous and powerful in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what I know. It's a form of godliness, but not having the power. A form of godliness and not having the power. All you got to do is read Facebook. People that I know are professing Christians. And the stuff they say on Facebook, you know what? My carnal nature says, God, take them out. But then the Holy Spirit says, he that is without sin cast the first stone so there's a mark watch what you put out there he made use of the Christian vocabulary he gave Jehovah God all kind of accolades he created what's considered to be a Christian platform he shared pious testimonies and stories of his time in the church He held up his tattered Bible and declared that he drew his strength for the great work that he was doing from the good book. And those that chose to follow him thought he was a man sent from God. But Adolf Hitler was a master of outward religiosity with no inward reality. So can it be done? He did it. But he was filled with gall and sin and dry bones. And if we're going to resurrect dry bones and men and women, we, the church, must have, listen, the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit, come into our lives. Holy Spirit, create uh, just something in that parched ground. Holy Spirit, let me use my prayer language. Holy Spirit of God, let me draw nigh to you. Holy Spirit of God, fill me over and over and over. Come on, somebody. Holy Spirit of God, not only redeem me, but listen, give me a brand new inspiration. Let me say boldly, Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus by the authority of God's Word in me. Hallelujah. Matthew 23, 27 says, Woe to you, bunch of teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He said, You like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you are full of dead men's bones. In other words, it describes, unfortunately, many in the church today. John described the church of the day this way. In Revelation 2, verse number 4, he says of the church at Ephesus, I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. He said to the church in Sardis, he said, listen, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead as a hammer. That's a paraphrase. He said in Revelation, the church in Laodicea, I know your deeds that you are neither hot or cold. I wish you would make up your mind and be one or the other. Amen. And you know what? That's speaking directly to Victory Church. Listen, friend, we can't talk about the church down the street. Let's take it and let God speak to us and say, God, I don't want that to be so of my life. I want to be on fire. I want to have an anointing. I want to praise when it's time to praise. I want to testify when it comes time to testify. I want to do all the things you want me to do because I want to see dry bones come to life. But in the book of Acts, but in the book of Acts, Acts 2.42, he said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking bread. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We got that part down. Everyone was filled with awe and miraculous signs were done by the apostles and all the believers were together. They had everything in common selling possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they met together in the temple courts. Some people can't make it to church every other week. They met every day. How many of you have been out there quite a while? May I see your hand? How many remember that when we had revival years ago, sometimes a revival would go for a week or two weeks, and it happened every single night of the week, and the place was packed, and the altars were filled, and unsaved people came in. Pastor, is that what you're fixing to do? If you're going to do that, that'll drive me crazy. Let me tell you what I'm trying to suggest to you. That's what we need to do in our hearts is have that kind of commitment to God and say, God, it doesn't matter. There's one day a week. It's called the day of the Lord. I want you to know I'm going to show up and do my part to see lives changed for the glory and the honor of God. Listen, they broke bread and then they began to praise God. So when you break that homemade pound cake and you take a spoon, the plastic spoons, by the way, I hate those things. Do you know why I hate them? I'm glad you, you can't get anything on them. 
you might as well turn it upside down and try to eat strawberry shortcake. And when you do and you go over there and you rub shoulders, fellowship. Take a minute and say, God, I just want to thank you because you've been mighty good to me. You've been mighty good to me. That was a church that had power. As a believer, we must be honest with ourselves and ask, is it possible that I'm lapsing into a state of deadness and apathy? Am I becoming more religious and apathetic? Am I good to look at and broken inside? Do I practice the life of a passionate believer? Can I exercise the power that Ezekiel had to resurrect my own dead heart? Am I able to do that? And finally, this new life, Ezekiel 37. He said, so I prophesied as he commanded. And breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army, a vast army. I don't know where you're at. A little yard talk, I ain't discouraged. They can do all that they want to up on the hill there in Washington. God, you got it under control. They can build a wall or not build a wall. Where do you stand on that? I'm building a wall, but it is not a natural wall. It is a spiritual wall for the lives of those who need to have the deliverance of the Lord Jesus Christ. They can talk about Social Security. They can talk about all the other things. They can talk about Russia. They can talk about China. Well, Pastor, aren't you concerned about world events? I read it every single day, and I get up to here with it, and I feel filthy. But then I get into this book, and I said, oh, I'm getting a good bath. Amen. This is what I read right here. You are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we know <coughs> new life. There's several questions. What's revival? The purpose of revival in me. Revive us again, O oh Lord. Do we believe that that which is dead can come to life? His first answer was verbal. Only you know, Lord. Lord said, shut up. Don't pass that off. Only you know, Lord. His second answer was an act of faith. You know what it takes to look on a valley full of dry, dead, white bones and prophesy? Bones come to life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take your old lost relative and call them by name and say, come to life in the name of Jesus Christ. Separate them from the powers of darkness, Holy Spirit, and convict them where they are and let them have a revelation experience in the name of Jesus Christ. The old cross still has power and his blood still redeems today. We have to believe that. <coughs> how does revival, how do I get revived? Well, I start with repentance. I'm sorry, Lord. I heard somebody say today, that person's never said they're sorry. I'm sorry. Why don't we all say it out right now? I'm sorry. 
Let's say it again. I'm sorry. Now, if you're a spouse and your spouse never said, I'm sorry, you just heard them say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Repentance. Here's another way, fasting and prayer. <laughs> you ain't going to see, that's yard talk, dry bones come to life without fasting and prayer. Amen. Not going to happen. Then a thirst for praise. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And praise with songs that make sense. Amen. Songs that make sense. Finally, exercise your faith. Exercise it. Get out there in the middle of life and say, God, I'm going to try out the new me. In Jesus' name, Frank Bartleman who wrote a little book, Azusa Street, made some observations. He wrote a little track in June of 1906. And this is what he said of the Azusa Street. He said, opportunity once passed is lost forever. There is a time when the tide is sweeping by our door and we may then plunge in and be carried to the glorious blessing of success and victory. Don't stand on the bank shivering in a stupor paralyzed by fear. Wade out into the deep and feel the anointing and the mighty move of the tide of God. He says the mighty tide of God's grace and favor is even sweeping by us now and it is prayer directed. The streams of revival and salvation will make you glad again. And boy, revival did break out. We believe it and claim it in the name of Jesus. So where do we start? Here it is. Boy, you preached a good message tonight. If it did not convict you, it wasn't worth its salt. If it did not challenge you to say, God, I need to make some adjustments here. And I found out that taking a sponge bath just doesn't do it. Hello? I feel more unclean and dirty with a sponge bath rather than saying, God, here's what I want. I want to be like that bathtub in Russia that time that when you blew air out, it just, that condensation fogged up, no hot water in that big old tub with feet on it and fill it full of water and the water's cold as ice. Hallelujah. I got in there and put that shampoo on my head. I said, there's only one opportunity. It's not just tiptoe in. I'm going in all the way. How many remember that? I got in there and my feet went to contracting under the water. My, my head would not move. It was hair. It was frozen in place. My feet looked like a rabbit that you had by the nap of his neck and his feet doing that way. And I got out. I shook. Listen to me. I shook and shook and shook and shook and shook. But I knew 
knew that I had been in a bathtub filled with water. Here's what I'm saying. Get on out there. Let God take you by the nap of your spiritual neck and say, buddy, I'm going to clean up and I'm going to come out of here by the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit like never before. Come on. (coughs) Would you stand? Would you stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you. This is your message to us. And Lord, we're not going to point our finger at any other church. We're just going to point our finger at us. And we're going to say, God, don't let me find myself in that valley of dry bones. Don't let me find myself retreating. Don't let me find myself lukewarm. Don't let me find myself getting away from my first love. Don't let me drift away from the absolute commitment of what it takes to say, Holy Spirit of God, if you're looking for a vessel, you found one in me. God, I want you to know I'm more committed than I've ever been. I'm going to see lives changed until the day you come. I'm going to rebuke the power of darkness. I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And I'm not going to listen to the voice of culture or other individuals who tell me what they think I ought to do. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to the preaching. I'm going to get into the Word. And I'm going to believe that you can speak to every heart. It starts with repentance. I'm going to ask everybody and those of you online to pray this prayer after me. Would you do that? Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Christ. Forgive me of my sins. sins. I repent of my sins. I confess my sins. I I believe right now I I am a new creature. I am brand new. I am am not reconditioned. I am born new new. by the power of Jesus Christ. Use my heart and the anointing of the Holy Ghost like never before. Here I am. Use me in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together and let's thank God. Would you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He'll do something wonderful in your life. If you need prayer, we're going to sing this song one time. And then we're going to give a benediction with a prayer over the strawberry shortcake. But we're going to wait on you if you feel you need to slip down and get prayed for. Now's the time to do that. Here we go, everybody. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. I want more.
Heavenly Father, I praise you and thank you. I pray for our family members that are lost. I pray they'll see in us a light that is an eternal light that comes from the Holy Spirit and a relationship with Jesus. We bind the enemy and his persuasiveness in the lives of those that are lost. I pray you touch each of us. God, we want to do more. We want to be better. Most importantly, we want to dig deeper. We want to get close to you. And Lord, as we get close to you, we'll find out what your vision is. We know what your purpose is to go into all the world. Minister and meet the need of every person here tonight in grace and favor. And let us be believing you for miracles this coming Wednesday and next Sunday. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, listen carefully. I'm going to pray over the strawberries. Father, we pray over the strawberry shortcake. We thank you for the abundance of your blessing for those 35 flats of strawberries that will be put into the ministry tonight. We pray that it'll be good, but most importantly, may the fellowship be sweeter than anything else. And we give you praise and honor and glory in Christ's name. Amen. Love you, everybody. That way.